Hello, gentlemen. Hello, again. How you doing? Feels like it's been a while. It always feels like it. Yeah, it has. I think when we're used to talking to each other so often, when we sit down and do something constructive like this, we always think, why don't we do this more often? Because most of yeah. what we do is pretty destructive. <laughs> yeah. M- music is the same way. I think every time we get together and do it, we're like, man, we need to do this more. Mm. Yeah. People always say that. and <laughs> This was fun. We should do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah. And then they the, never do. See, that's one of those sayings that totally doesn't mean what you're trying to make it sound like it means. It's, what is like, like, it's like in Friends when... Ever Chandler's trying to get out of going on a second date and he goes, well, this is great. I'll call you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'll that's like the, un- the universal, I'm never going to call you. Yeah. Maybe that's why we never say it. Or we never if you say goodbye. If you True. see a friend out in public and you don't decide on when you're actually going to hang out, but you say we should go do this or that sometime. You're never going to see him again. <laughs> right. Unless it's out in public. <laughs> right. Especially with masks, you know, you can just kind of slip in and out. Mm. I kind of, do you guys have any of these friends that will like make it your responsibility to interact with them all the time? Yeah. Like they always say, well, why don't we ever hang out anymore? And it's like somehow your fault. Yeah. yeah they like put it on the you. only contribution they make is telling you, why don't we ever hang out anymore? Right. Like they so don't kind of have think a that's phone. Worse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> 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 like, uh, you could, you could, you could text me too, man. Yeah. This is the first time I've heard from you in months. Right. Yeah. One, one-sided. Right. One-sided. Yeah. one-sided relationships. Is that what this podcast is about? No, actually, no. speaking of relationships. No, just kidding. Uh, what I was going to say is, have you guys played that game Among Us yet? That's really... Yes. It's old. It's like not a new game. So? But everyone is playing it right now? I have. I mean, we're not currently playing it. If- oh, that's why I'm just sitting in this lobby by myself waiting <laughs> for you guys to load in. Oh, th- yeah. This isn't the week that we play Among Us on the podcast. Oh, wait. We're recording. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, this game is really fun, and it's definitely a big waste of time. But You've been playing it? Mm-hmm. By yourself? Yep. I mean, like, with random people? Well, like, during the day, I usually jump on it, like, twice a day for about 15 minutes. Really? Yeah, it's... Seems like it wouldn't be fun without your friends, without people you know. It's It really <clears throat> gives you kind of this feeling of dread when you play it without your friends, because you kind of feel like there's nobody there... They don't know you from anybody, you know. Like, right. They don't trust anything I say. And it's just, right. I've realized that the people that you're playing the game with, it's all about who can talk the best or convince people. Yeah, it's like people. a negotiation. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, if for those of you that haven't played this game, you should because it's really fun and it's free, I think. And they're also a sponsor. No, they're not a sponsor. <laughs> 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 We're going to have to edit that out. Um but it's you all get together in like a main lobby and you load your characters in. You're these little spacemen, basically in a spaceship, and you all have tasks. You gotta fix the spaceship, and uh, there's usually one. There can be two, right? Yeah, I've it, always played with two. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
imposters in the group and they are basically these aliens that are trying to kill you. And nobody knows who they are except for the aliens, obviously, themselves. So you're all running around doing these tasks, trying to keep an eye on the other players and make sure that they're not, you know, like offing people and throwing them off, off the ship. So right. it's, uh, it's pretty fun. But I think it's one of those things where, um, though it has, you know, only in name does it have to do with what we wanted to talk about tonight. But Well, I just like that the publisher's name is Inner Sloth. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is like the only thing they've ever done. But they're it says doing it all. one hit wonder. They're doing fine. Yeah, um, but that's something that something we've been wanting to talk about a while for a while. It's something that we talk about a lot um, as friends is this feeling that when we are uh, doing our job or whatever it is our passion is, that there's sort of this feeling sometimes where. You're not sure, one, maybe that you quite deserve to be there. And Mm. two, you get anxiety at the thought that, you know, you know that there's people that are way better than you that are doing (laughs) the same job. Mm -hmm. And you start to question, you start to question everything about it. Start to question everything about yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And it's called it's called imposter syndrome, which was the tie into the game. But smooth. We should we should play that game on the pod sometime. That'd be so fun. That would be fun if we get a video set up one day. Um, that would be really fun. We Throw it on stream, YouTube. stream mm-hmm. among us. We could have other people jump in too. That listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, you could play with the similar vein squad. Yeah. All right, I'm in. Um, anyways, this is something that I think, given the current state of the world and everything, is something that I've been thinking about a lot because I'm not really doing my job as a musician in the same way. Mm. And so I've had a lot more time to think about it from the outside. When you're on the road and you're playing shows and all that, you're in it, you know? And so there was rarely time on a full-blown tour for me to sit down and think, well, besides, I guess, the eight to 10 hour drives most days, but (laughs) I was usually listening to podcasts. Uh, There's rarely time for you to sit down and think, am I doing this right? Mm -hmm. You know, am I a phony? Mm -hmm. Am I a fraud? And I think it, I think it's kind of one of those things for me where um, as long as I am actively doing it, I can kind of trick myself out of getting that anxiety, you know. I'm gonna drop out for the rest of the pod. You guys just go ahead and talk. I <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you like, um, what about what you're doing right now has made you is making you think differently? Like, what th- what aspects of your job are you thinking about in particular? Is it just like that you say you're a musician, but you're not really doing music right now? You feel like you're you're a poser because of the circumstance of the world, or is there something deeper? Well, I feel like there's a lot of musicians that probably make music and don't necessarily go on the road, you know? And Mm. we're doing that, but I guess it's kind of starting... It's making me realize how much identity I put in being a touring musician, you know? Just... Well, one, I, I do think it's really cool 
I mean, it's yeah. fun. It's the it's like the most fun that I've ever done. It's a job, you know, and so it's. Um, I think it's just looking at it from where I am now, you know, looking at the guys that are. I mean, there's still people playing shows and stuff, you know, mm. and I've had more time to like, kind of compare. Whether yeah, that's good or bad. I kind of I feel where you're coming from. I think you when you invest all of that identity into the live show, um, when you take that away, you kind of wonder, you know, you kind of look around and see what else is left. And when that's been the main thing for so long, mm-hmm. it can kind of create this character, this identity that you have to kind of like un- unsubscribe from. And you have to like somehow remove yourself from being completely enveloped into that idea or that thing and just kind of like step away and look at it for who you are. And I feel like that's, that's a hard thing to do when it's a, like being, being an artist, there's so many different facets to it, right? You have like all of these different things that play a role in what an artist can be. And I Mm -hmm. think it's made up of all these things like, you know, there's the live show there's the writing music, you know, which people, a lot of people don't normally see that. Um, there's the studio, you know, you're recording what you've written. There's the, the, um, the music licensing side where you're, you might be writing something that's not even in your wheelhouse for a specific campaign or a project, something that might cause you, um, or like it allows you to step out of your, your own realm and do something mm. that you might not do, but still along a similar vein, you know? And <laughs> do you I feel guys like feel, you feel this way though? I mean, this isn't just me. No. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was waiting to get into it cause I could talk about this for the whole hour myself, <laughs> but this is something that has really plagued my mental state for years, honestly. And I feel like I'm just now starting to get to a point where I, it's not at the forefront of my mind, um, at least in my, my day job. Like I still feel like I still feel this way for a lot of like things that I'm passionate about, like, uh, music and podcasting, which is, it seems like such a silly thing to get worked up about. But, um, I used to honestly lose sleep, um, when I was, So like when I was in college, my junior year of college, I was basically make or break for me as an engineer. I had a really terrible internship my sophomore year and I had decided that like I set my sights on this one company and I had decided that if I don't get this internship and it doesn't work out, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to be an engineer because I don't want to, I didn't want to be one of those guys that was at the company that I worked at my previous internship, just like 50 years old, hates their life. All they care about is going fishing and playing golf on the weekends. Like I wanted to enjoy the 80% of my life that I was spending at my work or whatever. So, uh, I set my sights on, um, this pretty prestigious internship, um, knowing that they only took a few people. Like, I think there's 200 total interns and they, 
of all those, only four of them were mechanical engineering, which is what my focus mm. is. And I didn't find out until later on that there was like, I think over a thousand people that applied <laughs> for the internship. Um, so, I mean, I ended up getting the internship, but I, I had to like completely, everything that I did to get there was completely out of my normal like personality, which is where I started to realize the difference between like my professional identity and my personal identity. So when I tell people that, um, like I basically, whenever the recruiters were on campus, I would track them down and I would always have a resume in my backpack. <laughs> and I, I had a cover letter for this yep. company and just like, just in case they were there yep. and like, I always was running and giving them, running them down, giving them stuff, like basically being annoying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or personally, I would feel like that's an annoying personality, but professionally, yeah. I feel like it's a different thing. Yeah. You, um, some, you know, you think you're being a kiss ass, but. Right. You're not. You, just you're part just, of the hustle, I think. You're just sticking your neck out a little further than everybody else. Well, know? and there is a difference because I, I mean, I did have the skills and the experience to back it up, right? It wasn't like I was just being desperate and I, and I wasn't mm -hmm. coming off that way. And I think there is a difference, but mm -hmm. um, it's all part of the game, right? And I was learning how to play the game, but yeah, I think that's kind of where it started why I started feeling like such an imposter was because it was such this different, it's like I, I had two different identities, right? I had yeah. my like really laid back, my really, um, you know, keep to myself, don't ever really talk about my achievements to anyone because I don't want to seem, you know, um, cocky, arrogant. Yeah. yeah. To like putting all that stuff out on the table and like highlighting yourself is like a really uncomfortable thing for me. And then when I get the internship and I go out of town, you know, to this, uh, job that I know a lot of people were gunning for, um, mm. I start to wonder, well, was I really the right choice for this? Like <laughs> there was a thousand other people that applied for this that I know of, mm. you know, am I really, how, why, why me, you know? Yeah. Um, because for me, I was able to like look around the room and compare myself to all these other, not only all these other students, that were interns that were just like wicked smart, but the people that were working there, for some reason, I, I always do this thing where I completely forget, um, the scale of comparison where like, I'll be in an office with someone and they will be just blowing my doors off <laughs> with knowledge and experience. And I forget that they've been there for five or 10 years mm. where me, I'm not at this point, haven't even graduated college yet. Feel like right. I should be on that level somehow. Yeah. Back then you mean? Yeah. Yeah. But even, even flash forward. So long story short, I thought that I botched the entire internship. I was like, no way they're <laughs> going to hire me back in my exit interview. They give me an offer to come back after I graduate full time. So oh, man, I went into my senior year of college with a full time job already lined up. So I, you know, didn't have to worry about anything, didn't have to go to the career fair, all this stuff that I hate, which was awesome. But yeah. um, when I started full time, I did, I just kept doing the same thing where, you know, now I felt like I had all this expectation to be this like super wise, like know everything engineer, because honestly, the people that work there are that way. They're all, mm. all super, super smart. Um, but again, I always forget that <clears throat> 
some of the people that I'm comparing myself to, for some reason, I think we're all the same age, but really they're like 35, you know, they've been working there or in other companies like that for the last 10 or 15 years. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I, from, for me, it always stems from, um, a point of comparison, not like I compare myself to other people. And then that's when I start to be like, well, somehow I must have slipped through the cracks. Like they, Mm. I don't, I don't know what words I put together to fool all these people to work, to get to where I am. Um, Something interesting that you said was that you kind of told yourself, well, if I didn't get this internship that I wasn't going to be an engineer. Right. Yeah. And so you're kind of putting yourself in that, that box and that mindset already. It's weird. It's a yeah. huge accomplishment that you had that lined uh, mm-hmm. up. So many people don't yeah. rush out of high school, especially or college. You know, well, right. I, I I think the interesting thing there is that I think all day long in in our normal lives we kind of set those like own parameters. Our own parameters are like a fail state mm. that we make for ourselves. Like, well, if I don't reach this point by this time, I remember Nick and I used to talk about. Oh, maybe like five years ago, we were starting to ask ourselves the question, like, do we need to say if it's not at this point by a certain time that we're going to change the way we do it? You know, it mm-hmm. was, it, we said a long time ago, we're never hanging our hats on it. You know, we're, it's always been us trying Just to find it out. Yeah. Trying to adapt or we've always been set in our ways. And so I think in the last and more recent years, we've been trying to say, how can we change what we do so that we can still do this for a living? And um, I think there was some conversations we had where we were like, well, if we're not touring or have this many records or this many streams or whatever released by this time, um, do we need to, thankfully it went, well, so you know, like it it passed our our hopes mm. as of right now, and so we're further along than I thought we would be, you know. But we're also, I think, all three of us. I mean, I want to speak for you guys, but I think we're all sort of the kind of person who will constantly be uh, trying to be better, even if you know, if I was in the band queen, you know, I think I would, I don't think I would ever have stopped and just looked around and been like, yeah, okay. So this is what (laughs) it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just know that. And so that kind of like what you said about that kind of setting up your own fail state in a way it's weird. Cause it's like from early on, you know, you were in college, you know, I guess when we started doing music, we were too, but it's weird that think that we were that young and kind of felt like as Americans, you're kind of raised to believe that you could do anything you want, right? So <laughs> yeah. we had the whole world at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were all fortunate enough to be able to go to college, and um, some of us lasted a little longer than others. But, um, you know, we had this whole opportunity, but we were still putting limiters on ourselves because we were we were always looking at the other guy, like you said, Jake. You're like you're mm. comparing comparing yourself to these guys that who knows their story and how long yeah. they've been doing it. Nick, you know, how many times do we look at a musician and we're like, ah, damn, he's doing really good. And then you, we're like, wait, he's 40 or like, <laughs> even 40 is not old, but it's got, you know, 
10 or 20 years on you. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think it's easy to fall into that, especially if you're around it. You know, if it's opening for somebody at a show or you pull into a, a venue and you're in your van, your conversion van, and you're parked in between tour buses and trailers. And yeah. <laughs> you yeah. start looking around yep. like, why am I here? Like, how did this <laughs> right. happen? And I, I think that's a very real feeling in a lot of in a lot of senses, like you said. It's a good point. I feel like do you guys, I do that a lot. Do you guys remember when we played that big festival in <laughs> Omaha and we parked uh, Goldie, the conversion van, by all these buses? Literally like what, three or four touring Tour, vans? Legit tour buses, yeah. Yeah, and then our little van. A tiny eight. ass conversion van. <laughs> with a trailer. And with it trailer. had just downpoured the night before. So we were playing on this big grassy area, this big long lawn, and it was soaked. Mm. And where we were parking, I mean, we got there last because obviously as like the opener band, like, yeah, just come like 30 minutes before or whatever and we'll get you set up. And we get there last and they had already kind of torn up the grass back there behind the stage. Yeah, it was a mess. A mud Slop. Tent. Yeah. And so we we're pulled all the van in the there. Van. <laughs> yeah, just like digging in the mud and we're getting like pieces of plywood Flinging and the mud are up. coming off stage and... <laughs> Tyler's like spinning out in the van and we're all just kind of sitting there with our hands over our eyes like, yeah, Throwing. we're not the band that's opening. We're just... We're, we're setting yeah, up for them. We're just... No. Yeah. You know what's really cool though about the feeling that I had when we were trying to get the band out was all those bands are sitting in their buses right now watching us spin out in the mud. And I got, you know, I was like, oh crap, this looks terrible, you know? Yeah. But... but we met some of the bands afterwards, and uh, they, I think I can't remember which one. If well, you go on, you going on to their bus, right? And it's like you see it firsthand, and you're up there, and, and they're just mm-hmm. sitting in there watching Friends on TV, and you're like, "Wait a sec!" Yeah, tuning guitar. We've like built this thing up in our mind that there's this huge chasm between them and us. Mm-hmm. In all reality, it's experience, yeah, and technique, and you know, you can throw all these things on, like you know, that say they're better or that they have more experience, but in all reality, they're just a human being like you. I, mm. I think one of the thing. the guitar players said, I remember when we had that van that you guys drove up. That's really cool. I remember mm-hmm. tearing down the interstate in a van like that and it overheating. And I was like, you know, it obviously made me feel like I was 12 when he was telling me that story, I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. But You're saying I can get to a cool yeah, bus someday too? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. it made me feel that way, but it also, I mean, I always remember it because I, you know, there's been shows that we've done now where someone will come talk to us afterwards, like if they're a musician or something, and they'll be like, how do we get to this point? And you're always like, man, Dude, that is I so feel weird. like I am just beginning and i have no advice for you uh just play the heck out of everything you know Mm -hmm. i so it's a really weird and that's going to happen to you that's going to happen in every job you know probably already has people like yeah dude it's such a bizarre thing when you (laughs) i think all three of us are the kind of people that don't think too highly of ourselves just in general like i'm terrible none none of us are very big fans of anything that we do you know so that's why we have to be friends because we all build each other up whenever someone says something to me like um 
dude, like, how do I get to where you're at in whatever yeah. thing? Like, I've had people ask me about, you know, career-wise. I've had people, the the weird one for me is the gym or like, yeah. um, like working out because I think I look terrible because the people that I compare <laughs> myself to are these just like, you know, basically animals. Like, I don't think they have human DNA actually. Yeah, um, exactly. So I don't compare myself to like common people. Not but see, to sound then, weird, but. But then be, us being on the outside as your friends, we can easily say that, I can easily say that you're my fittest friend, you know? And oh, nice. Nick isn't as fit as you, but he's my second fittest friend. You know? <laughs> I have I'm a few friends. From Jake. He's your I have fit, like, fittest brother. I have three friends. Yeah. yeah. And and Craig is skinny, so he doesn't have to worry about it. You know, it's just <laughs> you like got lucky. That's yeah. really weird, you know. And it it's weird that us being able to see that, we don't agree with you. Like we don't say, Yeah, you're right, Jake, like you got a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be the person that people are like, Oh, if I could just be at that point, you know. Right. With anything, your job, your yeah, fitness. I've, I've always had to convince myself or remind myself rather that like for all the people that I look at and say, damn, I wish I was there, mm-hmm. there's like an equal, or I won't say equal, but there's there's a significant amount of people that are looking to where I'm at and whatever yeah. thing and saying, I wish I could get there, you know? But it's hard, yeah. like, it's hard when you are wired the way that I am where just nothing is ever good enough. Like, I'm never content. Like, I'm always... And you guys have probably noticed this about me more in the last few weeks that we've been doing this podcast than like any other time of our friendship. But like, I'm always looking for a way to improve something. I'm Mm -hmm. always like analyzing things like to a psychotic degree. Mm -hmm. It's that engineering mind in you, man. You know, what's good though, is that you're saying this, you know, it's not a problem. It's Mm. never been a problem for us, but I'm saying it's interesting that you notice this in yourself and that you think of how many people you would come to if you were working on a project like this and say yo man like we get that you really care about it but this is too much you're not obviously Mm. you're not but think about the times where that person would be like no i'm not what are you talking about you know it's being able to assess yourself yeah self-awareness is huge yeah really you don't have that then i I think there's like an underlying issue with it and the mm-hmm. fact that the fact that somebody has self-awareness about their traits and their like yeah. what they're doing says a lot mm. yep yeah i think yeah, it's I, hard too because you get in that mindset where you do start comparing yourself to everybody and then you you kind of start to lose that initial sight of like what you're doing and mm-hmm. and why you're doing it and the purpose behind why you chose that versus the competitive edge like oh well they yeah. did this i can do this mm-hmm. and you get so far into that i think that kind of can come in anything it's like while we're on tour and putting on these shows and things i notice it in myself that competitive streak where it's like mm-hmm. they had this many people at their show like okay yeah. well we'll fill this room up <laughs> twice the amount you know or yep. like mm-hmm. you'll open for a for an artist and it, it might be somebody you love and they're the, the kindest people on earth but you tell yourself like you're going to outperform, you know, the headliner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it creeps in all these ways that I think you just have to take it captive and it's hard to do it. Yeah. You can, you can lose yourself in that. Like you were saying, brother, For sure. you start comparing and then it's like, you lose a little bit of your uniqueness and your shine because you're starting to fall in 
to all the long-haired tattooed musicians, you know? You all just start looking the same. And yeah. that's that's I'll cut my hair then if that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really weird feeling and it's weird to be you know, it's we've talked about this before um but musicians are the worst at this. We all know that we're like want to be the kindest and look out for each other and when you talk to that musician in person or you see him at a festival at a show like all you want to do is catch up and hear how their their tour has been and how their family's doing but it's this really weird thing that where if you find out that they're doing something that feels better than you you get mad you know yeah i mean it's it's a posturing game Exactly. Yeah, and it's like nothing, on your to, shoulder. nothing to do with them. And it's all has to do with you, right? You're mm. you're thinking, you know You're constantly competing, I think. Exactly. You know, you're looking at what they're doing, you're looking at what yes. you're doing. You're looking at okay, they've done this well, I want to do that mm-hmm. better. Or they have this thing, I need to work on that, or I have this thing, they don't have that. It's like this sick twisted game of just constantly comparing and Yeah. Mm. Yeah, musicians suck at it, man. We we're terrible. Think about this, guys. Though I mean, basically, what we just said just now is the opposite of what we were talking about. Because there's kind of like two why why me's, you know? Right. Like why me? Why do I get to do this? I don't deserve this. And then there's kind of the why me? Like why not? Why me? am I not getting that? Yeah, yeah. The why we not are me? messed up. Well, you guys, yeah, everyone I, like. Stop ne- listening immediately. Go seek help if you <laughs> well, agree the, with this. <laughs> the uh, the anchor to the conversation here is I can say I I never am the why not me guy. I'm always yeah. I'm always like like I said. I think professionally in my day job, I don't. I'm not as bad as I used to be just because I've been there for a few years and I mm-hmm. I'm starting to trust myself and like I've I've seen that. Um like my managers and my coworkers have started to trust me too, but it, it was a big mental shift for me that I feel like is just recent in the last few months. But where this always still comes up is um, with my musical endeavors. Like, and I think it's, it, a lot of it is because I have a day job, right? Like when mm-hmm. I go play shows with you guys, I feel like I'm like the imposter in the room because usually we, pl- <laughs> we play... Like the our band is you two obviously, and then um, whoever is filling in on on bass, or if we have someone on keys or whatever, these guys are our career musicians as well. <laughs> like maybe their day job is also being a musician, like for the church or something, you know. Yeah, but they are right. musicians, and I am not, you know. Like, <laughs> and I always feel I always feel this sense of guilt, or um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I would say guilt, just that somehow I've stumbled onto like the good fortune of being able to ride your guys' <laughs> coattails to these cool shows. Dude, but you have like because I don't I don't I don't practice as much as I should or right. shit, man. You, you None of you've us been do. there since the beginning though. <laughs> you know the days when we're sleeping in the van and back alleys in Chicago and ten hour yeah, overnight drives yeah. and loading Long, into shitholes and yeah, he, you've been on some of the longest trips, and you were there before it was more a little more comfortable. Before you know? it was fun, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's not like we're it's not like we're taking limos to shows now, but honestly, man, like one of the coolest things for me this last year, 
in November was we were, you were doing some shows with us, Jake, on drums, and we played this venue in particular a handful of times, more than a handful of times, maybe 10 times, and it's the small front room, and we just played up there over and over again, thinking, you know, one day I can't wait to play in the back, mm. and we took like a year, maybe a little bit longer without playing in the city, and we finally go into the city, and we load into this venue in the back on the main stage and we get up there and we're doing sound check. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm in the very back of the room behind you on the drum. So you're in front of me, Tyler's up front on the mic and I'm just looking out at the venue. And I, there's this moment that I had where I was thinking to myself, it doesn't feel like that long ago we couldn't <laughs> yeah. play in this room. Yeah. And the fact that we were all there together and that you had been with us since we played in the front room. And then we were actually headlining the main room. It's like, yeah, pretty tight. I have this video of you off to find it and post on the story, (laughs) but I have this video of you like on the drums. And that's when I started to feel that imposter syndrome, like why and how did we get here and why do Mm -hmm. we deserve this? And then, you know, the show is almost sold out and Mm -hmm. it's just like this incredible night. And, it goes by so fast. I think I, I forget to, to be grateful as much as I should. Mm. And it's just on to the next show. And so it's good to like stop and have those moments where it's like, okay, why am I sitting here comparing myself to everybody else? Yeah. Why, you know, how many bands have we all, the three of us seen play that stage where we couldn't wait to play? And Some of my favorite bands there. have played you know, on that stage. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then you're there and it's like, just well, be grateful, you know? Yeah. You can take it. I think it's easy to take it for granted. And I I think, I don't know if we ever have, you know? So mm-hmm. I think since we've always been like, what's next? What's next? Okay, cool. What's next? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't think we even say, okay, cool. We don't say like, oh, we got this. All right. Never. No. Yeah. It's more just like, What's tomorrow? It's a What's staircase. Tomorrow? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the? I'm asking about tomorrow's show. You know, the moment we walk off the stage. You know, it's just, and you try to carry that same incredible, incredible feeling from that show the night before into the next night. We talked about that a little bit on the last podcast, but on another podcast. But this whole thing is like. You know, you want to have humble beginnings. You want to be able to look back one day and say, man, you remember when we were eating McDonald's three nights a week and four of us were, you know, remember that $50 hotel room we split the price on and there was a a hole, literally a hole in the wall. Yes. And, uh, I'm pretty sure there was blood stains on the wall there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> because we just couldn't, I mean, I'm not a real small guy, but I'm the smallest of the, that four that was traveling and we were <laughs> yeah. all riding in a in a crew cab truck and we were just, oh yeah <laughs> remember on you, you guys' knees back there way like up back. to your chests <laughs> early early yeah yeah and i think i want that you know i want to be able to look back at that and say okay you know if i can sit in this green room and they got us some things from the rider like if there's a bottle of whiskey and they paid attention and they care about us here. The venue mm. cares, the people care. I can appreciate that more because I can look back and say, I remember when we would be promised a certain amount 
and we'd play the show and then the venue owner would say, I never said you were getting that, get out. Right. You know, you're yeah, never like, playing here again. You get those moments and I think it's, it's when you're in it way back when it happens, you, you're like you so constantly yeah. ready for the next thing, but yeah. it feels so far away. And mm. then you realize you get to that next thing and then you look back and you're like, wait a sec. You know, I was thinking about that time in Chicago too. I don't mean to sound like I'm telling a bunch of war stories on this episode, <laughs> but I, I really miss tour and, and it's it's weighing on me. But uh, yeah, I remember once we played uh, we played this place in Chicago and uh, this was before Tyler was 21 and it was just an acoustic tour, the two of us. And we'd gone on this tour from the Midwest out to the East Coast and you know, we booked this tour ourselves. We had no idea what we were doing. It was kind of the first, really first national tour we'd done. And uh, we get to Chicago. I think it's one of the first stops. And, you know, I'd been sneaking Tyler into all these clubs and venues and stuff all over the Midwest. And it wasn't usually a problem, but we get to Chicago and we're in there setting up and and uh, owner comes around. He's, he's handing out wristbands to all the artists. There's like a lineup that night. There's three bands playing. I think we were up first. And uh, Tyler, you know, kind of says quietly, it's just, you know, the three of us standing there. And he says, I oh. said this because I didn't want to get, it was a 21 plus right. club. And he was right. just being honest, you know. And, and, and I just wanted to tell the guy, hey, you know, I'm not trying to fool you here. Right. Not you trying know? to get drinks, not trying to like get you in trouble but, with your liquor license or right. anything. But this rarely happens, but literally on their website, like in big, bold, bright red letters down at the bottom, it says, no minors. Right. Well, we booked point. it anyways. <laughs> yeah, we're like, it'll be all right. It doesn't apply to the band, right? It doesn't <laughs> apply to the, band, the band, which normally, honestly, a lot of the times they'll let you perform and then you just have to leave right after, which They just have to put giant that. black M's on your hands because that's what exactly. they used to do to me when I was in high school and played with you yeah. guys. Exactly. <laughs> Do well, you want me to, to take Chicago. over the story? Or yeah, yeah, you tell us. You were okay. there. But since I was getting spit on, I guess I'll I'll be the one to tell <laughs> it's it. It's putting so, it very lightly, but yeah. The guy tries, he gives us all wristbands. I tell him, hey, I better not, man. I just want you to know I'm not 21. I tried to be discreet. He steps back, puts the wristband in his pocket, and he goes, come here. And I walk to the back of the venue with him. Not the back like where no one else is just the right. back of the room of the room so there's still a lot and of i just have to room. preface this that this this was a little bit of a mob mentality venue where this the guy. people that were running <laughs> the show yeah we knew going in it was in the italian be, neighborhood of chicago exactly like the worst guy that i could have told that to so anyways he walks me back there and instead of him being like hey you know what you just did you just said you weren't 21 in front of all those people he goes you mother effing, you son of a mother, what the, what are you thinking? You need to get that out of here. You're not playing tonight. And I was like, how are those censorship ship, ship skills? <laughs> <laughs> You're still now shook up, bro. It. You're still shook up. Oh man, I am. I get, I get all stressed when mm. I think about it, but I was just a kid. I think, I would think I was 19. Yeah. But he was like, he was like, get, he was like, get out of here. You're never playing here again. And I was like, man, just listen. We just came all the way from Nebraska, which I, Chicago doesn't seem that far now, but from where we were. But if 
I was like, just let us play the show and we'll do the show. And I promise you, we'll get out of here. I'm not going to try to get drinks. I'm not going to try to do any of that. And he goes, give me your ID. So I gave him my ID and he's like, you play, you get out. (laughs) And we were like, okay. So then this was like 10 minutes before we played. So then when I get up on the stage and I'm like tuning my guitar and I'm like shaking <laughs> and I'm like, like trying to tune is like going too high, too low, hitting my mic stand, you know, everybody in the room heard what happened. Right. You know? And so we played and, you know, it was one of those shows where it really felt like a lot of the shows we were playing back then were for us, you know, to mm. like cut our teeth because mm-hmm. we weren't very good. And I, I feel like we were good enough to be able to get into the venues and book shows. But um, we needed to learn a lot. And that was one of those things too. Like I know that I might be the most talkative guy that you guys know, but that taught me to shut my mouth. Yeah. And when things aren't looking good or when you need to just go under the radar, just keep quiet Mm. and you usually be okay. You know, because I, I, I probably looked younger, but I didn't. I don't think I looked 19. I could have passed for 21. Maybe. Oh, yeah, you did everywhere else. I mean, that was the thing is is it became a thing where we just learned. And I, I think we fell on our face so many times that we just learned to pick ourselves up pretty fast after those exactly. types of experiences. But Exactly. And you know what else will give you imposter syndrome? Booking a tutor halfway across the country at a Panera Bread. <laughs> on on your old school laptop what for no doing? money <laughs> right the whole tour was gonna make us like just enough to cut rent for like a month mm. for both of us you know yeah. so it was just and now on top of that you know um we had been playing with the band you know you guys off and on and you were going to school jake um we had a couple other guys that uh, were playing with us and for different reasons they had to drop out basically like after we sort of booked the tour Mm -hmm. and so it was like okay this went from a four-piece band tour to which you can get by with a lot doing that you know you you can get by with a lot rolling in with a band to a venue and it went from that to just nick and i and you basically went from like having on a suit to being butt naked you (laughs) know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it, it it was a it was a crazy tour and that that was one of those things where where we are now and I see I feel very fortunate. I think why did I not give up after that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I have these thoughts now where I'm like, this is tough, you know, mm-hmm. and I want it to be more and I'm gonna keep pushing, I'm gonna keep pushing. But back then it was almost like I I didn't care how good I was. I was going to do music for a living, you know? And so right. then it's like, now I get to do it, and now I'm questioning it. Like, mm. now now that I can pay rent with it, now I'm questioning it. I yeah, don't understand. It sits Whoa. in more, and, and you start yeah. to wonder that, for sure. <laughs> it kind of seems like it, from the outside looking in, it seems like it would be more natural to question it when it works out. Because everyone's, sure. everyone starts out as the starving artist, you know? Yeah. So like that, when you're doing that, it seems like it's just part of the game, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's, part, that's one of the stepping stones. You're doing, you're paying your dues, I guess, 
So at that point, yeah. you don't really feel like you're, you don't really feel like you fool you. You don't feel like you fooled anyone at that point, right? Exactly, but when you get right. to a point of reasonable success, or you know, however you define that, mm-hmm. I think that's when you start. It is when you start to sit back because, dude, when I was in college, when I was in class, I never felt like an imposter. Like for whatever reason, I felt like I was king of the or like cream of the crop in in my classes but as soon as i got to a point of success that's when it all fell apart for me because i felt like when you're in college and you're doing or you know similarly when you're in college and you're doing all the things you're just doing the things that you're supposed to be doing to get to the next Mm -hmm. step so you don't feel Mm -hmm. like there's anything on the line there right yeah it kind of has to be like being an astronaut you are training and you have all these people around you, your team, you get in the ship, launch day, you know, everything feels right, feels normal. And then as soon as you get out of like Earth's atmosphere, you just have to feel this feeling of like, like I might be alone. Mm. Like if I can't still communicate with what's going on back there on Earth, I'm by myself out here. Yeah. And even though it's nothing that you haven't already done, you know, and you're, your experience will guide you. It's, it's like this feeling of like, okay, now I'm here. Now I feel exposed. Mm. You know, like you've, you've moved out of the school of fish and now there's just a few of you and you're stronger fish and you're a little bit more scary, scary fish. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. just this weird thing where like it suddenly becomes a little more, it's a little more cutthroat. It's not as easy to just pick off the easy ones. You know, I always think back in cross country it was so fun to start the race with a huge group of people mm. and then just like peel them off, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then once you get out in front and it's you and a few other guys, that's this new feeling of like, maybe I'm not as good a runner as I thought. Maybe, yeah. maybe all my training isn't going to help me out here. And this is different. Oh, and it's windy and the, I'm running on sand now. What's going on? You know, mm-hmm. you can, you make all these excuses and I guess I usually end up telling myself, like, it's going to be okay if it doesn't go right because all this other stuff's going wrong. But mm. I won't let it not go right, you know? Yeah. That's really weird. Well, I it's think a- the other thing I wanted to say, I think the concept of imposter syndrome only comes in, uh, is only associated with success. You know, like, I don't think, I don't think people that, like the the definition of imposter syndrome is when an individual doubts their accomplishments, mm-hmm. you know, so that necessitates that you've accomplished something, right? So, right. Um, I don't, I don't so know. Actually, I, achieving something and looking around and and asking right. yourself, it's why like me? a it's like a symptom of high achievers. So, like going back yeah. to what we had said previously of, you know, I had made this fail criteria, pass fail criteria for my life, like. Is that, do you think that's a bad thing or is that another symptom of being a high achiever? Like you're, you're saying, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to just F around and like take the mediocre route. Like I'm going to do it, you know? You, you two are way different because if that has pushed you, Jake, and given you fire, I think the, on the opposite side of that would be Nick, who is just one of those runs through doors kind of guy, you know? And he's never really set up 
correct me if I'm wrong, brother, but it, yeah, you've, you've never really said if this doesn't work. That's a, those are two different motivators. Really, really interesting. Yeah. It is interesting to point that out. I think there's, there's like the mentality that you could have a plan B. And I think I used to look at that, which I think is completely unhealthy how I looked at it as, as a failure or, yeah. mm-hmm. or like I'm walking into something that I'm expecting to fail. Right. Yeah. So I yeah. just removed that from my, from myself. But I don't think that's true. Like hearing the way you're talking about it, Jake, I think you're more talking, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you're more talking about saying to yourself, you know, if this doesn't happen, then this, or this is the outcome if this doesn't, if this isn't, or, the, you know. No, I think we're, t- it's I, more if- I think we're saying the same thing. Like yeah. I, I didn't have the backup plan. I didn't have any uh, other company that I was wanting to work for. I was like, if so I don't, you were just going to figure it out. I was like, if I don't work for this company, I'm going to do something else completely different because that makes sense. I'm not falling back. Like I'm cutting bait on this, right. you know, and, but I think it is kind of this, a similar thing to like not giving yourself the plan B because it would have been easy yeah. for me to be like, mm-hmm. Well, if it doesn't work out, then like there's plenty of other engineering jobs that will pay me, you know, well, and I'll have right. a good life and yeah. all these and like, um, and stomach that. But I wouldn't have been able to stomach it. It was t- to right. me, it was get this thing or f- everything else is failure. Yeah, and that makes brain. sense. So I guess well, I'm unhealthy. Was, yeah, I'm on the unhealthy spectrum of doesn't really matter. I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah. And even if even if people around me are saying bro, that's super unhealthy. Or mm-hmm. why are you doing this? Are you crazy? Or, you know, you might even be, it might be to the point where it could be harmful to myself mentally yeah. or physically or whatever. It's like, I've made up my mind on it. It's really hard for me to unplug from a decision, which is why yeah, I have a hard time when people come, you know, they come up and say something like, if we're working on a project or anything and I've committed my my mind to it, I've worked through the scenario, it's hard for me then to go back and do it again with somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And working with like you, Jake, or Justin, or whoever it is, music or not, it's been good for me because it's a challenge for me to not overcommit myself to something that I need to just let go of, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard thing to look at it and say it's time to move on control freak maybe maybe that's the term well that's what i was saying i think maybe you are a little bit different because nick will know at all costs he will be that he will do that yeah and jake you're saying if i need to i'll I'll completely change direction and that's a really interesting way i kind of i mean like that's how i framed it but it was never my intention like right. I, I am the Just, I am the same way where I'm like this is the thing that I want and I'm gonna mm-hmm. do it. Like I rem, I remove all of what I mean by what I'm saying. Like maybe I'm not explaining it well. I remove all other options from my brain. And to me, yeah. like mm-hmm. I was only thinking about in this vein of the engineering world. So yeah. I was like, I want to be an engineer. This is what I want to do. If I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it here. And so yeah. all other options don't mean anything to me. I don't want to hear about them. I don't want to see them. This is where I'm oh, interested and I'm going to make it happen. So yeah, like that's scary. the way that, that I say it makes it seem that like I was willing, I was kind of lackadaisical about being like, well, if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to do something else. No, it wasn't really that, that way. It was like, 
but you don't this even want to know what out. else is out there. I yeah. was, yeah, I was saying this is gonna, this is gonna work out. This is my, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> That's interesting. It's weird because life is way too messy for basically either of those mindsets. You know, it's <laughs> I like, know. <laughs> it's, it's way too hard. Now you see and the dilemma. When you hit that door, it, just, it really depends on who is in your your pack too, you know, does it matter? Mm. If you hit the wall and you have nowhere to turn, you could spend time chipping away at it and find your way in. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes if you have others that are relying on you and it's the same thing with people in your project or people that you work with, you know. Yeah, because then you can get indecisive or over analytical and then you can just be kind of analysis paralysis stage. Mm. Do you guys ever do you guys ever have the feeling like you are I'm trying to say it without sounding conceited, but I don't know if it's possible. Do you ever feel like you're so important to the project that if you weren't there, it's not like oh they wouldn't make it. It's like if I don't if I don't go in on that project, I worry about the success of it without me because I know that I can contribute something to that or that they count on me for this. No. Kind of thing. That doesn't happen. I don't to you. I don't lose sleep over other people's projects if they don't interest yeah. me genuinely. You know, like yeah. I've had people ask me to help them with certain things like certain other projects. Um like to be honest, help them start podcasts and stuff. Like I mm-hmm. I I mean I've started doing just like casually being like this podcast guy apparently for the last like two and a half years or something. Two well, years. Thank you, that Jesus. you have, you know. Uh, You're good yeah. at it. You it understand is. Cheers, how cheers. I'll drink to that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, with the, what comes with the territory of that is a lot of people listen to a lot of podcasts and they say, well, I would like to have a podcast. Well, this guy yeah. I know is doing it. He can help me do it, right? Like I don't lose mm. sleep if I say, no, I don't want to help you. I don't lose sleep over like, well, if I, you know, they're not going to be successful if I don't help them. Yeah, like, and I'm with it's you about, like, on that. Just because, like, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk or like I don't care about anyone you else, don't. but like I know the way that I am and I take everything I do very seriously. So yeah. if I take on these projects with certain people or like something that I'm not actually passionate about, it will ruin my life. Like I will not yeah. think about anything other than that. And like, because like I said, I'm always trying to improve things. So like when we started this project, like it has consumed me to a degree. Like st- yeah. starting something new always takes a lot of effort, um, mm. but it's something that I enjoy and like I like doing it with you guys. So that's why I'm doing yeah. it. But Yeah, and I think, I think that's the right way. Like if something comes up and you know that you're going to burn your time, you, you can't. I'm saying too, another way, as if you're already part of a project, you know, and mm. this sounds like I'm breaking up with you guys, but this is literally the most fun thing I've done in a long time. So you it's found another that. podcast, didn't you? No, nope, wow, I didn't find it. I didn't find another band. I didn't find another podcast. I'm just saying. Sometimes I remember, you know, um, I remember playing in a band for a little while where I felt like if I wasn't there, you know, and I wanted to do it. I was in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I felt connected to it, but I kind of started to feel this weight of 
if I don't do this, then what's going to happen to it? And, you know, and did I, maybe this is a way worse thing. Did I start to commit to something that I didn't really belong to Mm. in the beginning, you know, and I'm scared that they're going to, I'm going to be exposed. Like they're going to look at me one day and be like, wait a minute, you're not really one of us, you know, like (laughs) you never wanted to do this. You know, I get that's a really, and that happened to me in school all the time when I was there for like three months. And then, um, just basically some other, some other band projects, you know, I kind of always felt like, well, this is their baby mm. and I do feel important to it, but I also don't feel like I belong here or that maybe I should have, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have done it in the first place. Yeah. I don't think that's imposter syndrome though. Yeah. I think it's just like apathy, but guilt also. Yeah, but it's also you look around a room and think, I sort of tricked myself into thinking that this was something that I should do. Mm, yeah. You know, maybe because it was different and you took a chance on it. Mm. Then do you get too far in where you feel like you can't get out? Like you, like if you leave now, you've invested so much time and maybe personality and of yourself that. It's just every, yeah, every time I hear the word imposter, I think of being in a room and suddenly being like noticed, you know, Mm -hmm. whether I was supposed to be there or I snuck in, you know, it's this, it's really, this, it's one of the worst feelings I can really think of. It's like a sinking in your stomach, Mm -hmm. you know. Well, what's really, it's ironic though, bro, because you're, as an entertainer and as the person who is, you know, essentially talking on behalf of the band when we're playing full band shows, especially, um, you, you're in the limelight, like you're, you're right in the spotlight and everybody is listening to everything you're saying and they're, the band is watching you for cues, but off stage, like a lot of people don't know that you hate attention. Yeah. Like you, you always growing up as a kid at, at dinner, you would stand up and tell a story to explain something that happened at school or whatever, but there came a certain point where once you felt all those eyes on you and like you were done with your story, you just uh-huh. kind of wanted to disappear and yeah. like sit down felt, and eat your dinner, you know? I felt like Weird. I was in a pressure cooker kind of suddenly, you know, it was like going really well and then now the stakes are high, yeah. you know? It's like if you were doing a comedy show and everybody was laughing, but you were out of jokes, you know? And so there was kind of like- That's when you just okay, say goodnight. Right. I have, have Jake, a good do you night. ever feel that? At, at, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever feel that? Like, do you feel like you kind of have that too? Or well, what's it like for you? So I was going to say, I have heard like no scientific evidence backing up, but I've just kind of heard through a lot of similar uh, personalities. Dang. I think maybe Rogan said it. So it's fact um, <laughs> that a lot of people like musicians and comedians, especially, um, they actually are pretty what you would classify as introverted, I guess, or they just, they get, you know, they love to do the thing, but they're not always on. Right. Like I think there's, he talks about it in context of like comedians. There's always this pressure where like you hang out with some friends and they're like, Oh, okay. Now tell a joke. It's like, okay, well Mm. I'm not, I'm not working right now, you know, or when you're a musician and people say, like you're going to a party and they say, okay, well, can you bring your guitar? It's like, well, right, I kind of just yeah. wanted to go to the party, but now I have to like work, oh, you know? Right. One time I was at this and was eating dinner with this big group of people and 
one of the persons came out with an instrument and they were like, right before we all got our food, they came out like, hey, could you play this while we eat? Jeez. And I was like, wait. Yeah. Oh, no. And I mean, that's you know? that's kind of a different thing because it's just like objectively super rude. So like <laughs> you, you can be turned off. Well, by what that. you were talking about kind of. It is. Yeah. It's but like, it's, do you really want me here? It's Yeah. But it's a, or, it's a common thing where like the people that are that have these jobs as entertainers when they're not on stage they're very low key you know because you it's don't want to do it's that. a job for them right as yeah. much as they love it and they're sold in like invested into it like there's the there's always like a a clock out time right, yeah, um, right. so to answer your question yeah i f- i feel this way all the time um like i love being on stage and i love playing shows like more than anything that i've ever done in my life honestly um but I also hate talking about it. Like yeah, when, yeah. I, when my friends ask me like, wait, so you're like in a band and like they want all these details. Like yeah. I can't stand talk. Like I, I get really, really, really uncomfortable talking about it. Cause I feel like, right. yeah, especially if I'm in, I'm in a group of people and they don't all know me and someone introduces me as like, oh, Jake is also in this band. And then they like, they turn on Spotify, the Talbot brothers. And we're all just oh, like man, sitting here listening to this that. song now. And I'm, <laughs> It it hurts me to my core, you know. But if I was yeah. at a show and they came to watch me, it'd be a completely different experience. Yeah, that's really weird. Maybe that comes from the performance side of it, where you're actually able to display, like, what you're doing is on display, but there's a little bit of a barrier still between you and the person, where you're not you're not standing three feet from them, yeah. you know, having a conversation. You're actually up on stage, mm-hmm. and they're watching this whole thing happen, where they're kind of removed from it mm-hmm. and you're able to kind well, of step away. Yeah. That goes back to what you were saying, Jake, where, you know, when your friends ask you about being in a band, you think I'm not really a drummer, you know, <laughs> it's so true. I, I don't want you to, but you that are, we know true. you are, but, but we, you don't want people to ask you those questions. One, because that's just not the way you are. You aren't going to like be like, yeah, I, yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna brag on yourself. And it's another thing where you don't want them to ask you more questions than you have the ability to answer. Mm. You know, I don't want to be out as think, a fraud. <laughs> yeah, I think with a lot of my friends, like I'm the music guy, you know, mm. and so then they come to me with those questions and things and and I try to know as much as I can, but I'm really afraid that I'll reach the end of the thread at some point and then they'll be like, Who are you really? Mm. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I don't know what would happen. I mean, then you start to question, like, is, are my friends, uh, you just need friends that are going to be able to look at you and say, even if you don't do that thing, we we want to be around you for you, you know, mm-hmm. because we know that you have good intentions and and you'll come help me do this if I need you. And I can call you in the middle of the night if I need to, you know, it's just one of those, one of those things where you, you start to, well, that's what I was saying earlier is I put so much of my identity in being a touring musician, but I like to think that there's so much more to me. So I think I could get away from the imposter syndrome if I really just looked at myself and said, okay, this is who I am. At the end of the day, if my, if my vocal cord snapped and I couldn't do that anymore or if I couldn't play guitar anymore, who am I, mm-hmm. you know? And then that's, I think that's the only way the imposter syndrome goes away. But I, w- I don't think I'll ever be able to do that. 
because I put all so much identity in those other things. There's there's no cure for it if you have it. Right. <laughs> you know? It's like it's a disease mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I think Weird. you kinda gotta like unsubscribe from that mindset. And it's really, really hard if it's basically been what you've done your whole life or you've known mm-hmm. nothing else like w- what you've known. Like Jake, you saying nothing else makes you come more alive or, or you don't enjoy something more than playing music. Like it's kind of that same thing. What else could there be that would really affect you the same way where mm-hmm. you, you can step back and without that thing, what's left, if that's the thing that really brings you joy, if that's the thing that fills yeah. you up, like it's really interesting as an artist, like when you're performing live, you're, getting filled up because of the energy in the room from the crowd, from the interactions on stage with each other, from just the whole experience. But you're also draining yourself of every emotion in that hour long set. Right. And so you get off stage with this weird feeling for, you know, it could last for hours where it's just, you're, you're pretty high on that feeling, but you're completely exhausted. And you're just Mm -hmm. in this state of like being wired or just like completely floating. Like that's how it feels for me when I get off stage. I'm completely drained, but I'm, there's nothing else I would have rather done Mm -hmm. because I'm so fulfilled Mm -hmm. doing that thing. Floating is almost like floating is the right way to to describe it. I've never been able to, I've never been able to explain how I feel after a show, but you do just kind of, I do always just kind of feel like I'm, occupying the space around me afterward like yeah i have no more emo- i'm just numb after you know right that's so why we always <laughs> yeah that's why we always day. try to do things after the show that ground us like right. go get some food or you know watch netflix read something that like drive eight hours you- <laughs> yeah, yeah something <laughs> something that brings you back down to earth and like reminds you that you know, you're just the person mm. doing it like everybody else, you know, yeah. and because it's such a heightened experience, it's a, it's a drug, you know, mm-hmm. it can be. And that's why I think a lot of the, you know, eighties rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll is because they were trying to maintain that high after the show was over. Right. You know? Or trying and to they, come down. Well, I, I just think you feel so good when you're playing it. I could understand where you're like, I want to stay there yeah. all the time. But, I mean, we don't partake in a lot of those things, so it's one of those things where we have to kind of find a way to, to re, re-assimilate. Is that the right word? Back into mm-hmm. society? Yeah. I think it can be <laughs> difficult. You can Sometimes you can get carried away with thinking you've only had one drink or, you know, then you're on yeah. the three drinks and then, you know, you, you're having a beer at sound check and before you know it, by the end of the night, you can't even, you don't remember how much you've had, but yeah, you can, it's kind of like sometimes part of the routine and you, you might be able to, I know I've written it off for myself, like, oh, it's just a beer for sound check or, oh, yeah. it's just a beer for dinner or, oh, I'll just have a drink before the show. I might as well take a whiskey on stage <laughs> and then you go out to the bar afterwards. Oh, we'll have a shot. Yeah, I'll take a couple drinks. Or, yeah. And then it's, before you know it, you kind of get into that point where, you do kind of stay numb or you kind of, you start to crave that high that you get from performing. And I know for me, like 
I have to always keep myself in check with that. Sometimes I have to remind myself that that's, that does no good. There's no long-term cure. It's just like a temporary thing. And yeah. And it's, it's good to have each other out there too, where you can always, you know, have somebody to to remind you what's important Mm, when you start to, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, whatever the thing, whatever your vice is, I think that's, it's good to have those people around you that encourage you and it kind of pull you out of that when you need it. You don't want to stay too high for too long. You don't want to stay too low for too long. There you no. go. Let's make that a t-shirt. Is that a lyric somewhere? <laughs> I Write it Coined down. It. Nobody can Coined have it. it right Copyright. Here. <laughs> well, guys, I think I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up here. Mm-hmm. Leave it on the on the lyric. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Another episode of Similar Vein Podcast. We've been trying to be active on our Instagram, so let us know what you think. Um, leave a comment send us a dm and also rate and leave a review of the show we really appreciate that as well until next time see See y'all